live. We're live. It's happening. Always. And forever. It's interesting being in this position now, watching you do what so do. much more work than I do. I mean, I pressed a button. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. No, you were like tweaking the audio oh. settings. and. Oh, you're I'm, not looking at me when I do that stuff usually? No, no, I'm focusing on you know, It's like a privacy thing? I'm focusing on myself. Sp- you want to give me my space? <laughs> you know what's nice about doing this podcast is a, is a simultaneous live stream on YouTube. For yeah. those of you that haven't uh, subscribed to our channel, please do. Yeah. Um, but you'll you'll you can see us live. We go live usually Wednesday nights and now Sunday evenings when we're doing our recording is a way to just encourage to build a community. And I kind of like being on the camera. Yeah, you're a camera guy. I, well, you I'm know, a sound it, guy. It, it's not. I don't. Have I'm going to start hiding myself where Vince was sitting. I I, <laughs> I have the face for a podcast, but the voice for the camera. I did my hair today. Well, I had to. I was at work. God, you got to change this background to be black because right now I look like I am a ghost. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, That's not getting any better. It's like there's no fixing me, Brian. I'm fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Should I put it on cool lighting? Yeah. No, we're on warm because we're well, warm people. We're warm blooded. Yeah, I'm hot blooded. I was. Thank you. Yeah, God, it's harder to look into your eyes this way. <laughs> We're finding a way. Just look into the camera. Look into the community's eyes. I am. Oh, hello. There I am. Um, before we get started, Brian, uh, I want to talk to you about Sunday. Yeah. How you feeling? Recovered. I, Finally. I do, okay, I do too. Finally. I felt. I felt good on Tuesday. I okay. Well, as I told you off air. <laughs> Uh, we visited uh, some people, uh, you know, uh, Chris and Sarah actually donated to the fireball challenge oh, yeah. of the yeah. hot wings challenge. And, um, we went and dropped something off at their house and, you know, uh, our friend Chris had said, Hey, I meant to like bring this and I forgot. It's the one, the, the uh, pocky, the pocky chip. one chip challenge. Yeah. And it's 1.5 million Scoville. So not quite as bad as a dad, but it's a whole chip and it's just like, you got to chew it. You got to chew it, so yeah. it's it's in it's a chip, yeah, which gets stuck in your teeth, yeah. and you're like, you yeah. know, doing the whole like awkward picking your teeth thing, yeah, and it just keeps and that just like flavor. Pure, yeah, just getting pure capsaicin on your fingers, yeah, yeah, everything was bad about that. Can I ask you about your fingers? Yeah, how did your fingers feel the next day? I felt like I had fire in my joints, so <laughs> just in my hands. I. How do I how do I say this? I'm sorry, my love, but it, it was not good for for me to have hot sauce on my on my hands. Mm. Yeah, definite backfire. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, and I thought like after washing my hands, showering, yeah. that it, even today. Yeah. Did you like? Have you wiped your eyes at all today? Mm-mm. Okay, so like I've gone and wiped my eyes here and there, and it's not like brutally hot. Yeah, but. There's been moments where I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, and then it's like, oh, it's like, what is a that? little bit, a little bit of Bernie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did an Epsom salt bath on my hands. I just, I, I couldn't figure it out. I, I texted Brian in the morning on Monday and I said, hey, don't do the dishes because I was doing the dishes with hot water, like the big pans and pots and things like that, and uh, realized very quickly that my hands were not just warm because of the water; it was bad. You did an Epsom salt. Yeah, you take salt and you put it in the water and you. 
If you don't make the noises, it doesn't work. Did you put did you put polish on the nails after too? No, but I thought about getting a a manicure. A little little what? Because I went to I had a I had a oh god worst haircut of my life. What? I had a haircut on Monday. Doesn't look like it. No, no, that she did a great job. But the whole time I'm sitting there, I was like, oh man, I gotta poop. Oh, I just had to poop. Yeah, you gotta you gotta give a little little disclaimer there because otherwise, yeah, I think no, 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 Spot Blue is fantastic. Katrina's awesome. I recommend going to her. Yeah. Um, but no, like I, you know, went to the bathroom before, and then yeah. I got there. I was like, I'll be fine. And then like ten minutes, and I was like, Oh no! So I, did, but I toughed it out. Did you? <laughs> I'm, I'm out. glad you did. I'm glad you didn't actually shit yourself in the barber seat. <laughs> no, I meant like ask to use the bathroom. I don't know why. I have no problem using public restrooms anywhere. But like when I'm at the spa, I'm like, oh, this is a holy place. It's too fancy for <laughs> this you. Is, this they, place they is cucumber water. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's too highfalutin for you. Mm, plus, I love the owners too much. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not gonna poop in your bathroom. Yeah, but anyways, <laughs> <laughs> enough sharing. I just wanted to do a quick little check in. We had a blast. Thank you guys so much for yeah. all the people that watched during. Thank you so much for everyone who donated. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, and and also, you know, we've had a bunch of people watch afterwards, go back, yeah. rewatch, yeah. or watch for the first time, and then also subscribe to our channel. We're really, really thankful for that. Um, so, so thanks again. It was a blast, and this is just another effort for us to kind of continue building the community. Right. Uh, it, it's it's one thing to constantly have, um, you know, conversations or you know, surrounding politics and stuff like that. Uh, this was another effort for us to kind of build off of those things. Yeah. We lost our ring light. Oh. I think when your screen. Up. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. I think I hit the power button again. Oh. I'll make the sacrifice. Quick pause. Brian, talk. Well, are you pausing the podcast or just the live stream or both? I'm not pausing anything. I'm oh. pausing myself. <laughs> this is so much better for the live stream. Can you go warm? Yeah. Uh, can you turn it down just a little bit? Oh, man. This is great. So for those of you that didn't tune in, this is what you get to see on the live stream. Yeah. Uh, that might have been actually a moment where we pause our podcast. We don't we don't pause as much as we once did. Do you remember no. we used to like have three separate segments every episode? Yeah. We and then pause breaks. in between and yeah. like like rally and, and kind of figure it out. And now we're yeah. just like, let's let's just go. Let's just do this shit. Yeah. That's why I didn't stop the recording there. Yeah. Um, I want people to know what it's really like. The, the glorious life of a of a mid-market podcaster dude thanks for going mid-market i think that that I was know. very nice we're really we're really small business but i'll give us the mid-market fucking a right i mean we have we have you know several hundred subscribers on spotify and yes, apple we do. yes we, we do. should soon have several hundred uh subscribe to our youtube because yeah. it's free why not i can't think of any reason why not you know what? I feel like by starting this live stream business, yeah, we've just opened Pandora's box. Well done. That's that's probably I'm gonna give that a nine point two out of ten. That's yeah. a solid. That's a really um I'm I'm jacked to the tits. I love how we instead of us using a segue, you grade it and totally interrupt <laughs> the momentum of the segue. So for those of you you know at home watching us all zero of you right now but um listening to the podcast or might listen back on on youtube um we're going to be talking about the pandora papers and we are uh the tax havens that have been protecting trillions 
of dollars in assets that should be getting taxed and are not. Um, yeah. One finding, and, and to lead off, surprisingly, there wasn't a lot of information about American, um, you know, wealthy American citizens. This had a lot more of a global influence, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But, um, Kevin, what were some of your initial findings or some things that might have struck you? Well, I know, obviously, we'll get to Jordan. Because yeah. I do want to talk about that. Okay. Um, and what I what kind of irks me about that is just all the fin- financial aid that goes there. Yeah. Um, Rookie of the year, 1986, for the Chicago Bulls. Abdullah? No, Michael Jordan. Oh. <laughs> Damn it, Brian. You know I don't watch basketball. Uh, I did watch when Jordan was playing. I did watch. Okay. Um, but I was also like... You, you know, were focused s- on the actual subject matter, and I was throwing a wrench at you. Yeah, I caught it. Yeah, you were supposed after to it dodge. Hit me, after it hit me in the head. No, um, I, what, what really got me, and what's funny is it was like the last thing in like all of the research that I did for it, it was the last thing that came up in um, an article that I was reading. And it's just the total amount of money that they're estimating to be out there. Um, I saw the figure $36 trillion. I know that it's estimated between 20 and 36 yeah, trillion. Yeah. But like 36 trillion, what's the what's the GDP for the United States in 2020? I think it was like 20 uh, tw- low 20s. I think it was actually a little higher. I think it was like 22 trillion or something okay. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um but like it's more than our GDP. And that's money that's just sitting there in a lot of it's in real estate, you know, some of it's obviously in banks, but it's just all these people going through these major shell corporations. Yeah. Um to, to hide their money so they either don't get taxed on it or they get taxed less on it um and i, I guess i was really surprised too and I, I i'm gonna let you get to this about why this is the case but it's there's not a whole lot of americans involved right. um and and so that kind of shocked me as well um but to start it off so king abdullah the second of jordan can i can i interrupt for yeah, just please, a second okay um, I do want to take a step back, and, and I kind of got you rolling, and I shouldn't have, because I want to first talk about what is a tax haven, oh, yeah. right? Because I think a lot of people are going to hear this, and they're going to like, oh my God, there's so much money, but they don't realize what a tax haven is. And it's it's basically, you're moving your money into uh, a corporation or an account offshore that has very, very lenient uh, taxation policy but very, very strict security on the information, meaning they're not going to release that information very easily. So that was a big thing. And this really started around the World War II era. And and Americans were very involved at that point because World War I and World War II, there was a lot of debt to uh, to be paid back. And you started to see these richer families um, hide their money and basically they wouldn't have to pay taxes on their assets if it was uh, held in an offshore account even right. even their like Kevin said their real estate like might be in America where it's taxed in California or whatever but because it's being held in an like a, in a corporation that is with an offshore account it's no longer getting taxed the same Correct. so these tax havens were really, uh, a, a, a way for rich people after the world wars to hide their money from from you know here Whoever, Uncle Sam, yeah. but the tax the tax collectors, and so with that in mind, we've kind of continued to see these very very wealthy elites around the world continue to utilize these tax havens. Now, 
a lot of times when we think of a tax haven, we think of like the Baham, like the Bahamas right. and the Caribbean islands and stuff like that. Uh, we Samoa. don't usually think of you know the the luscious uh, island of South Dakota. Yeah, um, yeah, or Maryland. Yeah. So, yeah. so we don't really think of those places as tax havens, which is probably the most surprising thing to me. And it's Sioux, Sioux Falls is the capital, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, and the reason they ended up switching to that, I was watching a, a quick little uh, snippet on that. They switched it because they thought it was going to create a ton of jobs within South Dakota, which it really didn't. No. But there's one building in the downtown of South Dakota that houses just like billions of dollars oh, I'm sure. of money. Yeah, and I, think and it, I want to, and I, I don't want to misquote it, but I think it was something like along like three hundred billion dollars in assets yeah. are managed out of this one little tiny location. That when you're looking at it, you're driving by, you're like, oh, I wonder who owns that building. Like it's not like the Sears freaking tower. No, no, it, it's it's crazy to think of billions of dollars and how it it basically has to be digital just for the spacing aspect of it. But right, to, you know, to go back just one little bit more on tax havens. Uh, we think of Switzerland early on, like, yeah. you know, like in movies like The Da Vinci Code and stuff like yeah. that, you know, security deposit boxes in Switzerland. James Bond, and, yeah. And yeah, and uh, The Wolf of Wall Street yeah. and all the all these different movies where there's, you know, the Swiss the Swiss banks would always protect you and blah, blah, blah. And, and that really st- st- um, uh, came from the idea that, you know, Switzerland was neutral during the world wars. Right. So this was a place where both sides could hide money. Right. Okay. So then what really started to happen was you had these uh, colonial, uh, I guess, colonial owned areas like the Caribbean islands, the the Virgin Islands, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. You know, they were owned by colonial powers, whether it was the French, uh, the French Cayman Islands, the British Virgin Islands, stuff like that. That's where all of these rich people from France and, and Britain and stuff like that, they would hide in these offshore accounts. And then it became also an American thing as well. I was surprised, though, that South Dakota became this tax haven. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But I, I interrupted you. No, we we got a better understanding of tax havens. So what, what are these Pandora Papers really explaining to us? And you wanted to talk about Jordan. So let's hop into Jordan. Well, and actually, and, you know, we'll, we'll take another step back since we're already t- a couple of steps back. Anyways, so the, the amount of documents that came out from the Pandora Papers, which is just – it wasn't – I think it, it could – could be considered a whistleblower because somebody basically leaked this information. Yes. yes. Um, so somebody came forward and it was something along the lines of like almost 12 million documents. And this is a, a, like a whole different things or a whole bunch of different things. You have spreadsheets, you have emails, you have photographs, uh, you have records, all these different communications and it's millions and millions of documents. And so this is actually the largest uh, conglomeration of um there's a committee for uh, journalists. The Consortium of Investigative Journalists Boom. organized this investigation yeah. and went through it all and kind of looked through all of the different documents and really extracted all of the necessary yeah. information. And I think it's over 100 journalists that are working on this in multiple mm-hmm. different countries. Yeah, and in multiple different outlets. So it's not just like the BBC Worldwide. It's yeah. like the Washington Post. All these different places yeah. uh, got very involved. They're doing what everyone else should be doing, coming together and working as a team. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they basically, they're still sifting through these documents. Obviously when you hear a term, like, I think it's like 11.9 million pages or something yeah, like yeah. that. Um, but when you're dealing with that many day, or pages, you're going to be, I mean, we're going to be digging up people and they've been doing it for like the last year or a couple or a mo- few months, uh, yeah, last few months yeah, yeah. that they've been working on these papers before really kind of 
pressing it out there. Um, and they're going to be doing it for months and months to come. You know what I mean? To look at all these documents and really make sense of all of it. First of all, you have to have some sort of an accountant brain set, um, for one and not all of them do. So they're going to be working with specialists and things like that. Um, but yeah, now, now I think we can delve into who, the who pe- exactly was yeah. involved, here. who these motherfuckers are, who, who, what? The H is silent. Whip. Cool whip. <laughs> cool whip. <laughs> um, so we'll start with Jordan. Yeah. So King Abdullah. So the thing to know about Jordan too is they get tons and tons and tons of money mm-hmm. in aid from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Well, somehow King Abdullah II owns multiple property, properties in California. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think he owns uh, one in Washington, D.C., right on yep. the Georgetown River. Yep. Um, but all these luxury homes, worth millions. So here's your country starving, or what have you, and he's living it up all over the world. Now, he says that it's money, or his lawyers say that it's, it's money that he had because he was a wealthy individual. Yeah, I mean, it's a royal family, so they right. obviously have uh, quite a, a luxurious pile of riches. Yeah. But I just think it's it's this is what drives me nuts. So here you are hiding your properties, and I'm okay with like having a shell corporation and saying you know and buying a property with it so that it can't be traced back to you. Like I don't think that's a big deal. But like, you don't. Well, I'll tell you, I, I like the secrecy of it. Sometimes I don't want people to know what I own. I don't okay. want them to know where my my gold is buried. Okay. If it's buried, it's not buried. So, it's in a safe. So, so in terms of people not knowing yeah do you mean the government like you oh no i don't care the government can know i don't give a okay shit. okay so you don't yeah. want like maybe relatives or you know ex- estranged relatives or anyone coming yeah. after after your your riches yeah. but you don't mind the government knowing so you have to pay taxes on it i don't mind paying my ta- i mean i hate taxes but right. i don't mind paying my taxes i feel like all right this is my share right according okay. to you cool. cool um you know so no I'm, I'm totally fine with that i don't think hiding money for tax purposes is is good because obviously you've got those you know whatever the range is where i'm just going to say 36 trillion dollars we're going to do a little bit of clickbait here um and just (laughs) go with that figure for instance i mean that's money that should be in circulation that's money that should be moving around changing hands like why why are you well i know why you're holding on to that much money because you know what i mean as you become wealthier you probably become somewhat greedier in cases too and so you're just wanting more and more and more and more Um, and I believe that Abdullah had some yachts. Oh, too. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I'm, sh- I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he had at least a couple. Um, I'm gonna let you take the next person because I think that it's gonna be kind of interesting. Are we talking about TB? The Tebs. Yeah, not my not my boy Tom Brady, uh, who actually won on Sunday while we were doing the Hot Wings Challenge. I'm talking about Tony Blair. I was actually really surprised that he and his wife. We're exercising the use of offshore accounts to buy property. Um, it turns out the property was <clears throat> for her law firm. Mm-hmm. And the law firm, it, in when you buy property in Britain, you pay what's called a, a stamp tax. Mm-hmm. And uh, people always used to think of the Stamp Act as, um, you know, oh, I'm mailing a letter. It wasn't that kind of stamp. It was like the right. notarization yeah. stamp, right? Yeah. So when you buy real estate, you have to pay the stamp tax. And the 
account was held offshore so therefore it didn't need to pay the taxes and it was it was several hundred thousand dollars i believe it might have even been a few million um, i think they saved three hundred thousand dollars on that one transaction on that alone. one transaction alone right. so so i think they were not the worst offender but i'm just surprised as you know i guess i shouldn't be right we should have a more pessimistic view of politicians but yeah i i just Tony Blair always struck me as kind of a he he was the British George Bush, you know, at the same time they kind of have a they had a similar vibe. Yeah, okay. So I would I, I wouldn't sure. have thought him to be this accounting genius and and all that, but maybe that was his wife because it was his wife's law firm. Correct. You know what's interesting too is I guess it's kind of like just like you and I maybe go shopping for a deal and we're looking to save a few dollars. Yeah. A few shekels. Yeah. They're trying to save 300,000 shekels. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just on like a much larger scale and they just do it through different ways. Whereas you and I would haggle a price. <laughs> yeah. They're just going to be like, meh, I don't I'm not buying this. it. This offshore company that I own is out of Samoa. Something else that kind of struck me too about this too is it's a giant problem in Australia. Huge problem in Australia. Yeah. Um, and there's actually an Australian accountant, um, and I've got his name here because I was prepared, uh, Graham G- Briggs. Graham Briggs. Um, Sounds like a tool. I mean, he's a very good accountant tool. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he moved to, uh, to Samoa um, in the 1970s or 1980s, and he's been really doing this because Samoa's tax laws are very lax. Really? Um, and he's been doing it from there for a long time. And, I mean, the, the wealth that he has accumulated from this or amassed from this is, like, just unreal. Like, he's got a $400,000 wine collection. He's got, like, a... F- you know, I think it's like a $1.2 million um, Japanese pen collection. I mean, the, and he owns multiple properties, obviously through shell companies in other places too. Um, but I, I, you know, again, it's something that you, you feel like would be so, so American based, but um, it's really abroad that it's the, uh, the bigger issue. Well, and, and I was reading uh, in the Washington Post that uh, find it, the quote is, financial experts said billionaires in the United States tend to pay such low tax rates that they have less incentive to seek offshore havens. Right. right? So the, the tax code really since Reagan, right? So the, right. the progressive tax code was around 70%. Uh, before Reagan took office, and he knocked it down from a uh, 70% cap to a 28% cap. And we've slowly built that back up. I think it got to its highest point under Obama at 39.6%, which then Trump dumped down. Biden has slowly ticked it back up, but not even as high as uh, Obama had. But that's still half of what it was right before Reagan. Yeah. And, And with that... Uh, billionaires have been able to utilize not necessarily only the loopholes, but creative accounting in ways to, you know, take losses and utilize that against their incomes and stuff like that. So they do that so often. You see, like the the Jeff Bezoses of the world, um, and I will say it's kind of interesting that the Washington Post even said like Jeff Bezos wasn't in this, mm-hmm. but he does own the Washington Post to kind of say like, hey. Just so you know, we're not trying to defend him. He does own the Washington Post. We're being right. transparent right, about yeah. that. But, you know, the Bezos is the Elon Musk, uh, Bill Gates. None of these people were mentioned. And and the reason being is because they're they're able to do the creative accounting here. They don't have to hide it anymore. 
Right. And and that's that's something that really starts to anger me is yeah. and what you said. There are there's up to thirty six trillion dollars in assets not being taxed around the world. Correct. So that's not that's We're not, not taxes, being taxed properly. Yeah, it's not yeah, it's not being taxed that would only be coming to America. So it's not even about us. But there's a stagnation of wealth. Yeah. Just sitting there, not moving. Not and doing all anything. it's all it's doing is collecting interest and, and making right. these wealthy people more wealthy when really that money should be getting taxed and being put back into the system in ways of, hey, you know, like the stimulus, right? Yeah. Think of how affected yeah. the entire global community was. How about you just tax all of this money? And throw it back at all these different countries. Yeah. You know, all the countries that really aided the world in, in trying to assist in, you know, including America, sending PPP places, vaccinations to, to places like they should have been doing that, taxing these people. And that brings money back into the system. Certainly. Put it towards social programs, put it towards, you know, erasing the debt of, of the middle and lower classes, erasing the debts of of our countries that are, are trying to provide support for others. Yeah. And then and back to the, the Australia part. Oh, so more than 400 Australians were named in the 12 million documents. That's, that's freaking crazy. And I apologize too. His fine wine and pen collection was over $4 million. So did he have any uh, cake bread sellers? I'm a, I'm a big fan of that wine. Probably not. I still have to find out who the distributor is for that. I'll get you some of that. In. Oh yeah. I will. No, it's, it's a, not. It's gonna, a really I, nice I could probably, I could probably get you a lot for four million dollars. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could, pro- <laughs> I could probably become like one of the founding oh, members. Dude, of yeah, it you'd be like point. probably a you know solid ch- chunk owner, twenty five percent at least, thirty <laughs> percent maybe. I don't know. Um, I don't know what the uh, going rate is for uh, becoming part owner in a vineyard nowadays. So another way that. You know, people utilize tax havens, and this is something that I always found interesting, is art. So yes. art itself is, yes. is a very easy way to dodge taxes. Absolutely. But then you can have them stored offshore, and it's like an even more devious way of skipping on in taxes because those aren't even counting as assets at that yeah. point. So I, I thought that was really interesting. You can donate that art to a museum as well and have it hung in a museum. And so that it's still your piece of art, but because you've donated it, it's a complete tax write off. Yeah. For the, the, the assumed value yeah. of, of the painting. So yeah. you could have bought it for, let's say a great painting for a million dollars. It's a Van Gogh or something you bought for a million dollars and you donated it. And now when you bought it at a million and then it like shot up to 200 million, you're donating $200 million as as a tax write off. It's, it's really remarkable the way, the way people can get around taxes. And this is the thing that bugs me is I'm a big advocate for more taxation, especially on, on the wealthier people in America. And I'm not talking about the people that even make, you know, five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. I'm talking about the people that make tens of millions of dollars, and there are more than we think. Uh, I feel like anything over a billion dollars should be taxed at, at least seventy percent, at least seventy percent, and that's money that goes back not only into the system for cash velocity, yeah, right, but it goes into social programs. It helps people. That's how you. That's how you fund. You know, uh, universal healthcare. That's how you eliminate the cost of of colleges that are you know publicly held. That's how you eliminate the debt of this country. Is you tax people properly, right? Because those taxes are going to help the country as a whole, which continues to you know uh, 
stimulate the entire economy, which right. then helps the wealthiest people as well, since they control the 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 means of capital. Um, yeah, I don't know about seventy percent, but we, I mean, it, it higher for sure. Oh, you you think higher? No, 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 no. Oh, no, no. see, I think it should be around ninety percent, like it was during Eisenhower. Yeah. 90%. Well, you, see, you should have led with that because then I would be like, yeah, 70 is probably a good number then. Yeah, I didn't anchor you in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should, yeah, I should have yeah. shot higher and then you're anchored at that point. And then yeah, exactly. 70 doesn't sound so bad if, if 90 was the first option, which is crazy to think yeah. about. Like, if you think about the, the, the taxation rate being at 90%, people are like, oh, my God, that would be too much for me. Don't worry. If you're listening, um, it, you should either be – this – statement won't affect you right. or you should be sponsoring this podcast that'd be great that's you know what that i would allow that to be a tax loophole if you want to donate six million dollars to this podcast yearly boom you can use offshore accounts all you want <laughs> okay i'm starting to think that our two-week venture into ruling over dc might not be so good no stop it you know i'm joking anyways <laughs> I would have a big problem with it, truly. If, even if someone's like, I'll give you $6 million a year, you never mention our company, I'd be like, damn. It's almost like a Papa John's scenario. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Papa John's can... I, the, no, no, no. Papa they pay John's, us to not say something. I don't know. <sighs> to not say Just anything not bad? Just not mention anything. Not say anything good, but not say anything bad. I will tell you this. Papa John's, you will never be able to buy me. Okay. <laughs> Um, I do want to jump into one more of the highlights. Sure. This is that. This is my, probably my favorite thing that uh, I, I found during my is my, it, my is readings. It, is it the mistress? It's yeah. Okay. So the gentleman from Russia, who is named after a Canadian dish that's made with fries, gravy, and cheese curds. That is a that is a stretch, <laughs> but you got that. Vladimir Putin, right? <laughs> make a Russian version. Yeah. Um, Vladimir Putin, his mistress, that's not what they're calling him yeah. or calling her, but basically a young lady who was known to have some relations with Vladimir Putin, well, had a baby. Yeah. And somehow magically, uh, as she was having the baby, a sh she bought a shell corporation and now lives in a multi-million dollar estate in Monte Carlo. Yeah. I really enjoy I mean, that was just like, just because I don't like Russia. Yeah. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I don't like Vladimir Putin. I think that's that's the real answer. Is... I mean, I would never fight a Russian people. They say they fight bears. I've been seeing some of that on TikTok. It's crazy. No, but like that Khabib, the oh. UFC fighter, like he literally fought bears. Like, well, yeah. he's from Uzbekistan. I thought he was from Russia. Well, it's it's from that area. Yeah. Where's he from? Yeah, we have the power of Google. <sighs> no, you're right. Russian. Yeah. Okay. Gosh, he looks a lot bigger than 154 pounds. Yeah. Dang, he's scary. Yeah, I'm scared of him. Mostly because of the sheep's wool thing he wears on his head. Just seems scary. I, so when I first saw him, I didn't see him fight, and I thought that was just a big afro. No, he, he's a fantastic fighter. Yeah, I, I watched him fight later in his career. Yeah, he's a fantastic fighter. Yeah, he was. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's saddening reading all of this and seeing these these headlines and things like that it's just um it's so much money that could be doing so much good yeah you know obviously again not just in america but around the world um and there's nothing being done with it other than making those people wealthier and having them be able to hide from um 
their own governments. Well, and, and that's that's the the crazy thing about the Pandora Papers is like it gives us a little more insight to really how corrupt the highest end of wealth is. Yeah. And I'm not saying that every single person that gets wealthy is always going to be corrupt. I hope that's not the case when yeah. Spotify signs us to a large lucrative deal, perhaps YouTube. Yeah. Um, but when you get to a certain point in order to preserve that wealth and continue the, the amassing of that wealth, usually there has to be some sort of corruption, which really for me is another reason for countries to not allow this as a whole, right? Like we shouldn't be allowing offshore offshore yeah. accounting happening. <clears throat> we shouldn't allow South Dakota to be doing this shit yeah. or Delaware or whomever. Yeah. We shouldn't be allowing uh, the ultra wealthy to not be paying their fair share. The problem becomes, and luckily this wasn't, uh, you know, the instance in our case with America, but a lot of the powerful policymakers of countries are the ones doing this. Right. You know, the Tony Blair's, the the Abdullah of Jordan, like the these are the people that are making those laws. And of course they're going to continue to preserve their wealth through through policy. Certainly. And and that's a big issue for me. And that's why, you know, I know I that's come, like, I that's come like hard. insider trading in, in, in Congress. Exactly. And I come down hard on, on America a lot. But this is why, like, we have so much potential and we have to do the right thing. Right. We have to do the right thing. And that's looking at politicians, where they're getting their money, who they owe and what they what, you know, their their motivation is. Yeah. And I do want to make a correction. It's 600 journalists in 117 countries that yeah, are working. That's phenomenal. This. That's awesome. Oh, it's great. We're going to find out a whole lot, dude, with 600 people. And so when people like to blame the media for things, when you start to see journalists, like true journalists, I don't consider Fox News, CNN, like journalism. But when you see like the New York Times, the Washington Post, BBC, NPR, like these journalistic outlets going after this thing, when they uncover these things, they uncover like the movie Spotlight, right? With the Boston Globe and and uncovering the the issues with the Catholic Church and, Mm -hmm. and... and the molestation that happens and stuff like that. When you when you see these things happening, it it usually comes out through incredible journalistic efforts. So when people like to poo-poo the media, poo-poo the opinions and the talking heads. Do not poo-poo the journalists that are, you know, spending years honing their craft and, you know, risking their lives to investi- investigate these types of matters. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of people putting their livelihoods on the line, yeah, she did. She, she did, but I think she's going to make a lot of money from it. She will. I don't think that's why she did it. No, I, I think there's a certain level of uh, honesty that needed to be brought to uh, the forefront. She's a regular Edward Snowden. I think he had a much scarier case. Yeah, taking down taking, taking down, down the, the NSA. That's a little bit scarier than being like, "Well, I'm going to take down Facebook now." Who are we talking about? We're talking about our dear friend, um, and now why is her name escaping? Hogan. 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 Yeah, Hogan. Yeah. So Francis. So Facebook had a whistleblower situation. Um, Facebook has been manipulating their algorithm in a less than 
fruitful way. It's been a very profitable way, but not a, a very positive way for the people utilizing. Yeah, and so this happened a while ago. So where Facebook kind of noticed that um, they still had a ton of you know people that were on the site constantly, but there wasn't as much engagement. Yeah, and so they tweaked their algorithm. And this is back in the days when Facebook had like cute motivational videos and like fluff pieces yeah um and they realized that if they made people mad by switching the algorithm to basically put in front of them things that they knew would bother them um whether it be you know falsities or like um stories that went towards like some sort of an opposing opinion of theirs that people would engage more they would comment they would scroll more they all these things um, and so they did that for a long time. They removed that algorithm during mm-hmm. the 2020 election to yeah. um, prevent. Well, hypo- yeah, allegedly they, they did say they tried to uh, eliminate, you know, the, the, the falsities that were being printed. Because Correct. in 2016, you know, the Cambridge Analytica thing, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about that on, on, after we watched The Social Dilemma and we covered, you know, social media and the yeah. algorithm and the dangers yeah. of it. And, and this is kind of... Well, you know, 2016 happened, the election, we saw a lot of Russian infiltration. Mm -hmm. We saw a lot of angry polarization happening on social media and Facebook lapped it up, right? They had record profits and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. After that, they claimed that, you know, they needed to be more responsible. And so during COVID, during the 2020 election Mm -hmm. they've tried to like if you go on facebook you can see like anyone that posts anything about covid like they have a fact checker box pop up um you know donald trump was banned because of the promotion of alt-right conspiracy theories QAnon. like a lot of social media took you know took that away but what we are still seeing is that there's a lot of conspiracy theories still out there. Yeah. There's a lot of hate and and um, there's a lot of negative on Facebook. There's a lot of toxicity. And what they said was they were going to eliminate as much as they can. And on a good time period, they might erase three to five percent. Right. Facebook had said, we're going to you know work endlessly to, to eliminate as much as we can. And if they're really trying, it's 3 to 5%, which right. is just not good enough. And what that does is it forces the engagement, right? It's they, they not only, you know, it's not just your friends, but it's like what you see gets amplified if it's more negative and it's more likely to engage the user. And the scariest part about this is how they can amplify that to young people. Oh, yeah. And especially women. Like yeah. they've found specifically women with eating disorders on Instagram. Yeah, on yeah. Instagram, and then young people and getting them to be more and more engaged with it, and how they can get them to be more uh, polarized and di- and divided. Yeah, it's it's a really sad story. But so actually, and so just so we can start delving into the actual whistleblowing here. Mm-hmm. So, um, Francis Francis Hogan, I think is it. Yeah, well, we're gonna go with Hogan. Haugen. Haugen. Um, she came out basically saying she couldn't take it anymore. Um, and so she took a bunch of documentation, emails, all sorts of stuff when she was working at Facebook. It was like 10,000 documents. 10,000 docs, something yeah. like that. It was in the thousands for sure. Um, 
she took them all and she basically went to the SEC. Yeah. Um, and said that, you know, what Facebook is doing is wrong. It's illegal. Um, and I want to show everybody what they're doing. So there was a long period of time where Facebook didn't know who she was or who, who was blowing the whistle on them. Right. That didn't come out until it was recently. Yeah. It was just a week ago and then, or a week or so ago. And then it was the, the explosive interview on 60 minutes and then the congressional hearing on Tuesday. Yeah. Now here's the thing. It was like just a week or two ago, there was a Facebook executive and I can't remember her name offhand, but she was testifying, basically talking about the actual um, opposite happening. Like they're really doing a great job of, you know, being safer. They're, you know, watching over things. They're watching over bullying and hate speech and violence and stuff like that. I think one of the research uh, points that Haugen brought up was, only 0.6% of violent threats are actually taken down, which is which crazy. Is, yeah, to me. that's absurd. Just crazy absurd. to me. And now here's the thing this isn't just America. Like we've seen Myanmar, we've seen ethnic cleansing right, happening yeah. in Ethiopia yeah. based off of Facebook. Like how messed up is that? That Ethiopia, I think it was Ethiopia, was, was going through an ethnic cleansing because of what was being discussed on Facebook. It was their it was their microphone and it amplified it so loud that it was actually a very uh, destructive time period for for Ethiopia. So so you know, with that said, um, one thing that stood out to me did you were you able to listen to some of the testimony or the sixty minutes? Yes. Okay. One thing that stood out to me during her testimony, she said that Mark Zuckerberg is positioned different than any other tech CEO and that's because he owns 55% of Facebook right no other person in the tech industry has that kind of control over a company he has 55% of the voting shares correct so essentially what he says goes what he says goes and like he probably hears other ideas and takes them into consideration but the buck stops with Mark Zuckerberg yeah and while he fired back on Facebook, it really, really rang hollow to me. Well, and he, Brian and I were looking for the actual post. Yeah, that he it's put not up, up it's gone, Yeah, he, he pulled it down, um, which I'm sure is for some yeah. sort of like legal reasons. Yeah, I mean, he, he probably said it was 1,400 words. Oh, maybe I can access it here. Okay, there it is. Um, it was no longer on his actual page. But it's 1,400 words. And it's basically talking about how Facebook would never deliberately hurt people. Um, he would never want to engage. So so Zuckerberg is saying he's not going to harm young people. He's That's not the intention. The intention here for social media is to connect, right? But they're, they're, the evidence just doesn't support that. Yeah, it's not really ringing true for me. Um, I think from the beginning for him... It was not necessarily about profit, but I think as soon as it became something big, then profit's been the number one thing on his mind. I don't think that he has much... Again, I don't know the guy. I'm speaking from the actions of the company that he owns. Right. I that don't he think has that he... a clear majority ownership of. Yeah, 55%, baby. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that it's 
it's important to note the way that the company is, the way that the algorithm works, the way that it does shove this kind of stuff back in your face. And you know what? Maybe it's a little bit of karma too that um, even though karma doesn't happen until your second life, comma is what's happening in your current life. I took a comparative religions class. I like that. I like that. <laughs> um, that their their servers went down. Yeah, the next day. Yeah. Do you think that's uh? I, this is I just listened to the newest episode of Conspiracy Theories on or on Parcast, uh, so maybe that's like working in my brain right now. But do you think there's a little bit of something I going think, on? I think it had a lot to do with this. Because I, I think there was like a a security test or some sort of okay, we need to go th- go through it and see like are there more leaks that could be happening right because i think they need to stage a strategy here and how they're gonna how they're gonna own this now one thing that facebook has done and mark zuckerberg pointed out here was that they have created the uh largest and most expensive research team for any social media company and what that's doing is they're trying to invest in understanding people how their product how their product is is impacting people communities and the world around them right however if you're saying it in a way like oh i really want to know so in case we are doing something bad we'll change it or if we're doing really good we can kind of amplify that uh the the problem is is it's not going well and when changes were said to be made they weren't in fact being made um haugen leaked one facebook study that found that 13 and a half percent of uk teen girls and uh in one survey said that they get suicidal thoughts or they became more frequent after using instagram right now i i saw someone did a study on the way the algorithm works and basically what happens is you can be looking up healthy recipes. Right. And obviously you have some sort of concern with food in a good way, like you're you're caring for your health. Right. And this is what Haugen alluded to is like, this can be good, right? I'm, I'm bringing you information shared by your community that you choose to be a part of in a way that can be lead to a healthy lifestyle. Right. But what people have found is when they create a brand new account and go, you know, down this path of healthy recipes, it's very quick into turning into body image issues, meaning they start, you know, showing skinnier and skinnier people. They start showing diets that aren't as healthy. And, you know, when you are getting that rush of dopamine, you want more of it. And that's affecting your brain, that instantaneous gratification that you get through social media. Right. So now you're not only kind of addicted to that rush, what that rush is telling you in a very vulnerable state, in a vulnerable psychological state is very detrimental to your overall health. Yeah. And I mean, the proof is in the pudding, not to bring up a sugary treat. (laughs) <laughs> when you're talking about health foods. Yeah. Um, but you see all this information coming in, especially people 13 and under. Um, but all teenagers, you know, it, we you brought up the social dilemma and how we had talked about that in a previous podcast, yeah. or it basically made us want to do a podcast on that, that current, or that, on that subject matter. Yeah. Um, but it's important to note, like, we know that these chemical changes are happening in people's brains. We know that it's affecting young people, and there's nothing being done about it. You know what I mean? They could have gone into it saying, okay, and, and I, I'm, a, I'm actually kind of a firm believer in this, putting in age restrictions on, so, on social media. 
because we know how it affects people. I, I see the people that I work with. Yeah. They cannot, you know what I mean? Like any little break they get, they're on TikTok or they're on Instagram or they're on Facebook. Not Facebook. I love doing some TikTok. I, I, and I love Instagram Reels. But like I don't feel the need to watch Instagram Reels. Instagram Reels is like my, uh, it's like a little treat for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> like tonight when I go home and I finish editing the podcast, I'll either watch a movie or I'll watch a few Reels. You deserve it. Well, because it's just like, okay, I haven't been worried about it all day. I'm not thinking about it. I mean, I'm thinking about it now because I talked about it. Well, and the crazy and thing is... I've been getting a lot of motorcycle videos. I've been really thinking about buying a motorcycle. Really? Yeah. But more so as like a passion project because like I want to spend more time with my dad. Oh, so like you want to... So I want to buy like a beat up like TW. Build it back up. Like a not, 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 so nothing super fast. Like an you know, off-road dirt bike basically. Okay. And then just have my dad help me fix it. And then I could just like, you know, it's me and my dad maybe having a couple of beers and fucking throwing wrenches at shit. That's yeah. not how it goes, but <laughs> And then you get Michelle Pfeiffer in the end. Like Grease too. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> I'm gonna be dating a much older woman. <laughs> much. Much older. Um but yeah, no, so um but I, I've said that because my TikToks or my Instagram reels are like all like people on, on off road dirt bikes. It's like it's, they know. It's, it's incredible the how way that the algorithm the works. Algorithm yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. And then I start Googling them, and now I'm getting advertising, advertisements for motorcycles and all that stuff now. But anyways, it's I gonna digress. Work. I, I'm a firm believer in like saying, okay, you can't go on Facebook or Instagram unless you're 17. Okay. I am. I mean, and I was on it before then, but like it, I, I didn't have it on my phone. You were? I think so. When did Facebook come out? I, I got on Facebook, I think, when I was 19. But I had, that, that, was back when, that was back when you needed a college email to sign on and only certain colleges had even accepted it so like, oh. i went to college of dupage and it wasn't even available yet yeah and so, so we had to like apply to facebook to get college of dupage accepted as one of the universities that's interesting so that's early early on that's really i was yeah i was i was so like the was second a, person from college of dupage to have yeah maybe i was older then you must have been i don't know i think i can look at my facebook and it'll tell me well wait if i was 19 you're two years younger I was 17. Yeah, so you were so 17. So I, I was in high school. Yeah, you were so 17. So maybe I was 18 when I got it. Yeah. Because I remember start setting up my Facebook and then never using it. Because MySpace was still kind of a thing then. Yeah, you were still friends with Tom? Dude, Tom's still my best friend. Tom, shout out. What's up? <laughs> How you doing, dog? <laughs> he probably still made a bunch of money, right? He's doing okay. You know what? I worry about him from time to time. Being friends with Tom kind of reminds me of something about this situation, though. Yeah, what's up? Democrats and Republicans are actually coming together and being friendly about this. Everybody's friends with Tom. Tom's friends with everybody. Democrats and Republicans are getting together. It's like the, the, the fucking lions and hyenas have come together to feast in Africa. To overthrow Simba. Take that. Wait, no. Yeah, Scar and the hyenas. They're overthrowing. No. They would become friends with Simba. Why would they be friends with the bad guy? They were. Yeah, but I know. But this is a good scenario. This oh. is like the hyenas teamed up with Simba to be like, yo, Scar's not a good dude. Yeah, but Simba is us, and we come back to overthrow Scar and the hyenas. No more Democrats or Republicans. Yeah. We're back to a one-party system, bitch. Yeah. Oh, God, this is not good either. No, but <laughs> <laughs> to get back to it, you know, this committee is- it, it, it's a good party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. S subcommittee. Yeah, uh, is going on with with uh, Miss Hogan or H Hogan, and you know, 
it was really refreshing to see Republicans and Democrats working together. And I will say this, having watched it, I think I watched the C-SPAN cast or listened to it on, on, yeah. on my phone. Yeah. And they felt much more prepared. Do you remember when they they engaged with Mark Zuckerberg at that one meeting where he drank water funny and was very odd looking throughout yeah. the entire and like it they were just asking the dumbest shit to Mark Zuckerberg where he was able to weasel his way out and he's like, I don't think you understand what an algorithm is and stuff like that. Yeah. I felt like this time they didn't look as old. And they they're just as old in terms of, you know, their age. Yeah. But they like they understood what they were getting into. Right. Like they used the word algorithm properly. Yeah. And they wanted to understand, you know, how this algorithm works. And, okay, so if you refine the algorithm this way, what can happen and all that. And yeah. I really felt that both Democrats and Republicans were more prepared here. And it showed. And I think it's a really good sign that there are scenarios where Republicans and Democrats can come together. Yeah. You know, they're working on the infrastructure bill as we speak, hopefully. Um, this could be good for the them, reconciliation and could all be good that. for them they're like okay we can work together I, I i'm hoping i don't think that'll be the case long term well but in this particular instance crossed. you know the republican party hates technology especially when it silenced donald trump and democrats generally like you know people that are victimized so yeah. this is this really hits both sides of of the coin they're really so, getting together and they're saying mark zuckerberg more like mark Suckerberg. <laughs> you went there. Yeah, I you did. Went there. I had okay. to. Take that, Facebook. But I, I think hopefully the oh, conclusion. Oh, God. Facebook's going to taste. Take, they're not going to let us advertise this episode. No, that's all right. Nah, we have YouTube. Yeah. And text messages. Yeah. And MailChimp. We're going to start using MailChimp. Yeah. Sign up for our newsletter. We don't have one yet. But we'll get one one day. So to kind of wrap up at least for me to wrap up i was looking at it this way is like these two are actually much these two news events are much closer related than it initially looks like yeah and, and the reason i say that is this greed leads to a lot of destruction yeah right when you're choosing profits over people we have a major issue when you're, you're when you're not taxing the ultra wealthy and you're allowing them to hold assets over a long period of time to just stagnate mm -hmm. and build wealth for themselves again, we have a major issue. The world economy is on the brink, and it's because of the people who have made the most money. People like Mark Zuckerberg, who has made tons and tons of money. He's like, what, the third richest man in the world or whatever behind Bezos and Musk? Like, uh, He went down to the fifth richest man after this. He's he's under... Um, oh, yeah, they lost 5.5% on yeah. the stock price, so he probably lost a lot. Yeah, he's underneath Bill Gates now. Oh, okay. So so when, when people like this are allowed to engage in a way that they don't have enough regulation, there's not enough reins on, on, on their system... That, that becomes an issue, and that's why I've always been a big advocate for, you know, heavier regulation, especially on corporations of large sizes like this. Um, there's almost no regulation on, on big tech, and I think that really needs to be, you know, the forefront of any endeavor going forward. Once we get out of this crazy pandemic period of our history, when, yeah. we, when we can move past both 
um, mentally, emotionally, physically, and economically, when we can move past it, we have a lot to do in terms of two things that have been exposed during this pandemic. And that's big tech and that's been, and that's healthcare. Right. I think those two things during this pandemic period have shown us just how destructive we've allowed the profiteering that happens uh, to be. And I think those are the first two things, if I'm the Biden administration, whatever presidential administration might take over after him, um, that would be the 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 thing in, in, in my mind to, to attack first. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Anything else, Brian? <sighs> no, well, sorry, I'll... sorry, sorry for the break. And, and I know, you know, those listening just on the podcast, um, you know, didn't understand what was going on and why there might've been a little break there as well. Um, we do apologize for that. We're, we're still learning how to live stream and, and get used to yeah. that. Uh, but we really do enjoy, uh, the idea of you watching us because now I feel like it's more interactive. As I was saying yeah, at the beginning, I, like, I, I can talk to the camera. I almost envision, you know, some of our Patreons or some of our, you know, consistent listeners, the people that give us that feedback. I, I, I'm imagining talking to them directly now, yeah. having a camera here. And I, I probably should have as, as the podcast went on and I should have developed that skill. But this just kind of empowers me a little bit. And I'm, and I'm super excited about the development of it. Yeah. And anybody who does want to um, watch us live stream on YouTube, we're going to be doing this, I think, for just about every episode now. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you guys want, you know, Friday, or Wednesdays, we usually start podcasting around 930 at night. Central Standard Time. Yeah, let us put you to and sleep. And Sundays, you know, maybe we'll start putting something up on our Facebook. <laughs> let us put you to sleep. That's good. Listen to the soothing sounds of our voices. Your voice. I think your voice. I think your voice could put people to sleep. I think my content can put people to sleep. Vice versa. That I was. You know, I'm really excited that we're back to a normal thing here. I was talking to uh, Ian and Christine today. They came into the restaurant. Yeah. Um, and Two I was telling incredible them incredible listeners, Madeline's yeah, community yeah. members. I think everyone knows who Christine is now. Yeah. Um, but uh, they came into the restaurant today and I was having a conversation with them. And I was saying it was odd because you did your normal amount of talking in the very beginning of the live feed. And then as the wings progressively got hotter, you did less and less talking. <laughs> is that the case? And I, oh my gosh, yeah. And I had to fill in. I was like, oh gosh. Uh, well, Brian's not going to be able to talk right now. No, so, no. Um, but yeah. If you guys didn't see our Instagram, it's up there now. You can see Brian's reaction after the wings. <laughs> I will say it wasn't just because of the hot wings. So if it you're was going to three if quarters going, of a gallon of milk that you drink, <laughs> three quarters of a gallon of milk and half a bottle of Fireball that we all shared, half a uh, handle. I don't know why, but Fireball sounds good. Right? It does. <laughs> it really, it actually does. Let's we'll do a shot. We'll do after. a shot of Fireball after this. Um, but uh, to to wrap up, do good, be great. I love you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on on the live streams and the podcasts. Yeah, Subscribe guys. To both. Look forward to the the continuing progress. Love you guys. No, I'm just trying to roll. Me and my friends trying to hit the road, trying to catch a wave.